Thank you so much for listening in to the Phenomena NDE Near Death Experiences, hosted by Kathy Lee Parker. And with me today, I have a gentleman who walked, had a walking pneumonia, was in the hospital for two weeks, ICU, and his experience happened in 2017. His name is John. Welcome, John, to the show. Thank you very much, Kathy. How are you? Okay, and glad you're sitting here with me, and I'm just going to let you take the audience here and and um, tell us, first of all, tell us where you're from. You're from St. Petersburg, Florida? Yeah, well, I'm originally I'm from Bayonne, New Jersey. For Ooh. your listeners, if anyone who has ever visited Bayonne, New Jersey, it's exit 14A off the turnpike. Mm-hmm. We moved to Florida. My parents, my father was an executive for AIG. His job moved to Clearwater, Florida, and mm-hmm. that's where we settled, so in Pinellas County. Mm-hmm. When the near-death experience happened, I was at, I was work, you know, St. Petersburg, Florida, effectively. How old but were yeah. you? How old were you? 37. Okay, 37 years old. Okay. And, uh, um, and you were in ice, you were in a coma for two weeks? Yeah, so what had happened was um, on April 29th, I started having really complicated problems. I started having, I don't know, my back started hurting. I was, I, I almost like I had kyphosis, like humpback, hump, hunchback of Notre Dame. You know, it was like, I was really hunched over. I couldn't walk, couldn't move. It got to the point where HR came up to me and asked if I was okay. Uh-huh. Now, fast forward two days. Okay. Um, I woke up, I woke up one day, one morning, and I was asked um, if I was okay by my girlfriend. You know, we were renting a room out of her mother's house mm-hmm. and I couldn't get dressed to, I couldn't get dressed after taking a shower. I mean, I was in so much pain. Mm-hmm. Uh, now at the time I went to the hospital a few days before they gave me like prednisone and, you know, just, you know, some, so some ancillary stuff, nothing big, but the prednisone helped, but all it did was mask the pain. Mm-hmm. So what happened was I was told that, you know, um, her mom was, you know, she had some plans if I can go, go somewhere. So I figured, you know what, I might as well go to the hospital. So I went to the hospital. I walked into the emergency room and, you know, a little hint, hint, if you kind of just want to get move things going along, tell me you've got breathing problems. So that's what I told them. And I, they hooked me up. They triaged me. They immediately hooked me up to an EKG and they thought that I was having a heart attack. They immediately brought me back. And that is the last thing I remember in the here and now. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. Now I was in ICU for two weeks. I was transferred to another wing for another month. And then I was in rehab, like physical therapy, occupational therapy for another month and a half. So that's the plight of the whole, the whole, you know, hospital visit. Now, I want you to understand, I want your listeners to understand what medical problems that I had. I, well, I, had, I, I couldn't breathe. They tried to intubate me, you know, and they had to put me in a coma, mm-hmm. a medically induced coma to just knock me out because I was, I was very, very resistful, you know, throwing nurses, throwing doctors away from me, you know, and I'm a big dude, you know, so um, 
you know, that's what they had to do. And, and, and rightfully so. So I get it. I understand. Um, so, um, yeah. Um, once they, once they put me in a coma, all of a sudden, I, I don't know. I just remember being in my office in St. Petersburg, Florida. It was about 5 PM. The sun was going down okay. and the phone rang. Now this is my near death experience. Okay. The phone rang. And it was my girlfriend at the time. And she says, hey, John, what are you doing? I'm like, you know, hey, no, nothing. Listen, my parents, again, my father was was an executive for AIG. And he had a very, very, very large house on the Manatee River at this time. Mm-hmm. They were, and I, for whatever reason, I had it in my head that they were going out of town for that reason or for that weekend. So I said to my girlfriend, listen, my parents are going out of town. Why don't we go over to their house and just hang out for the weekend and have some fun? We'll go around Sarasota, go to the you know outlet malls, whatever, whatever. She likes to shop. So I said, she says, okay, cool. She's like, well, I'm really hungry. I might stop and get something to eat. Me too. All right, well, I'll see you there. I hung up the phone, walked out of my office, down the stairs, opened the back door, walked through the parking lot, got in my car. Okay. As soon as I got in my car, I put on my... It's a Raekwon or uh, rebuilt for Cuban Link CD. It's, it's of a Wu-Tang Clan. And I put on track 12. That's important. Okay. So as I'm driving now, now I want you to understand this. At this point, I was fully aware of my senses. I can feel. I mean, I can touch. I can smell. I can, you know, everything. Like it was, it was as real as you're, as you're, as you're in the here and now. I mean, it was very, very like, I can't explain. I've never, I've done lucid dreaming before. I've done astral projection before. This was not that, this was not that. So as I'm going, as I'm, as I'm heading out, my office is on the South side of St. Petersburg. So if any, any of your listeners who've never been to St. Petersburg, Florida, at the very, very tip on the left-hand side of Florida, you can see the Tampa Bay area. There's almost looks like a hook and key. That's the Pinellas County. Mm-hmm. Now, there's a bridge that connects the the open water. It's called the Skyway Bridge. Mm-hmm. Okay? okay? So as I'm driving up the Skyway Bridge, you know, I'm, again, rhyming to the sea, listening to music, weaving in and out of traffic. And as I'm descending down the Skyway Bridge, on my right-hand side, I see one of those state road, you know, Florida state road things, but it said Claremont. Now, for your listeners who are not familiar with the geographical locations of Florida, Claremont is near Orlando. That's about two and a half hours away. Okay. So at this time, I figured, all right, I'm going to go ahead and get something to eat. I'm kind of hungry. So I pulled off at the Claremont exit, which is very, very strange because at this point, my father's house would have been like 15 minutes away. And I just would have went and just, I don't know, would have cooked myself like a, like a, like a T-bone steak or something. I don't know. But anyway, I pulled into what looked had the outside facade of an 80s McDonald's. Mm-hmm. And for your listeners, for your younger listeners out there, when they were kids, remember when they had the Nintendo 64 and McDonald's was actually looks fun and not look like a depressed middle-aged adult? Yeah. So, <laughs> okay. Yeah. So that's what it exactly looked like. But here's the weird thing. Inside of it, it didn't have like people like sitting down eating. There was two gentlemen walking around in the inside, and as I'm opening up the door, I see my girlfriend sitting down with knees to chest along with 12 other people. Again, the floor had the same, you know, the, the, that, that terracotta, 
with the with the black grout, that gray grout, you know, okay. staying the same thing like this. Now, here's the thing. My girlfriend at the time, she was really bougie. She's very, you know, high maintenance type of girl. So when I looked at her and as soon as I saw her, she was wearing a white T-shirt. She wore her. She had her hair in like a, like pigtails. She would never wear her hair like that ever. Uh-huh. I don't even think she would wear it like that as a kid. But anyway, she calls me over, rushes me over, and she's like, "John, John, what's going on?" I'm like, "No, what's going on?" She says, "She says those two guys over there won't let us leave." I says, "I don't understand. Help, help me understand what's going on." And as I turned around, now I'm sitting next to her, adjacent to her. Uh-huh. As I'm looking out, I can see my car, but to the left there was a an orange wall. There were nine TVs, maybe I don't know, forty five inch TVs, three on top, three in the middle, three in the bottom. Uh-huh. Now it looked as if there were people on the TV, and it looked as if it looked like a, the best I could describe it, it looked like a game show, if you will. Uh-huh. And I don't remember the one person I remember was like a heavy set black man in the middle. Uh-huh. And when I asked my girlfriend, who are they on the TV? She told me, well, they're the good guys. They're trying to hack into, they're trying to hack in here because do you see that camera, which is above, you know, above the TVs. Now this camera, what this looked like for your audience, the best way that I can describe it is in two, two images. Uh-huh. If anyone had, if you, if you Google it on in 1985 with the N- Nintendo released with the deluxe set, the Nintendo Rob, R-O-B. It looked like a robot, the head of the robot. Or if you ever seen like a short circuit, Johnny Five, mm-hmm. kind of looked like that. Oh. Now, it also had it also had um, like a, like an antenna on a router, oh. you know? Okay. And it was going back and forth, scanning the room. And I just, it just was bugging me out. And I'm just like looking at it. And I'm like, it just didn't make sense to me. Now, Again, as as I said that, you know, I uh, I told my girlfriend at the time. I, I said, "This is not making sense. This is this this. It just wasn't computing to me." Mm-hmm. And as I explained earlier, you know, I'm from North Jersey. I'm even though I'm I'm a very passive and chill dude. I love Bob Marley. I love you know Jimmy Buffett. You know, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm just I like that you know peace, love, unity, having fun. Mm-hmm. That's my thing. But I know how to stand tall when it comes down to it. So I, I said, you know, forget that. I grabbed her hand, muscled the two dudes out of the way, opened up the door, and all of a sudden there was this bright flash. Now, I'm in New Jersey, in my hometown of Bayonne, New Jersey. It's about 2 o'clock in the afternoon. and How do you know it was 2 o'clock in the afternoon? The reason why I know it was two about two o'clock in the afternoon, it was because there was a, it was a crystal clear blue sky. There wasn't a cloud in the sky. The sun was at about the twelve to two, one o'clock, maybe about the one o'clock, in between one to one thirty, in between one and two o'clock position. You know what I mean? Like you could just tell. You know, it and and I the reason why I, I knew it wasn't later than that because the sun wasn't going down as it was where I was with at the McDonald's thing. With my girlfriend, you know, you can just, I could just tell, you know, but anyway, we walk into her and she says, I have to go to work. Um, you, you can come with me, but I have to go to work. Now understand this, even though that we're from Bayonne, even though my mother may have worked in Bayonne as uh, you know, as, as, as a young in the seventies and early eighties or something, 
She has never worked in any sort of hospital, any sort of doctor's office in the city of Bayonne ever. So we walk into this building. Now, I want you to understand the facade of this building now. For anyone who, the best way that I can describe it is it looked exactly like Macy's in Herald Square in New York City. Now, for your listeners who have never been to Macy's in Herald Square in New York City, the building was built in about 1910, 1920, Levi Strauss, you know, it's where they host the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade. When you go inside that building, the architecture, they actually have wooden escalators. Like, it's that old. Like, it's it, it's really old. So. I want you to have to kind of like picture envision that. So as we're walking in there, we're walking down this hall and there was blue teal on the side. It was teal painted. And I see these caricatures up, up on top. I didn't really notice them. And then I, we come to a podium behind the podium was a, was another black guy. He was about, I don't know, five foot eight, five foot nine. He looked like he worked at Best Buy mm-hmm. behind him was a T like those old school CRT TVs, the one with the tube in them, the one that we bought, the ones that made that weighed like a thousand pounds and you have like a 27 inch TV and it's like, you need like five people to move it. Yeah. Okay. It was one of those. Now on playing on that TV was like, how can I explain it? It was, you know how like St. Jude and like all these charities like deliver like gifts at Christmas to yeah. sick kids and stuff. Okay. Yeah. It, th- that was, was going on in there. So my mom walked me past and she, she walked me past that, that floor or walked me past that aisle, that, that podium. And she sat me down in this open area, this open landscape. She's like, she's like, okay, I got to go to work right now. I got to check in with Joyce. Joyce is her friend that, or her friend or her associate that she worked with whom I had never, ever met. Um, I said, okay, that's cool. Now, as soon as she sat me down, what again, I saw like it almost had like an orange the one of the walls where she, where I was facing was orange with nine TVs one two three one two three one two three and to the right not above it was that damn was that Rob Nintendo Rob with the um with that thing and it was remember in the 80s you as a child of the 80s we had these things where you put them in like water it would start out small but as you throw it in water, it would expand mm-hmm. and it would just become completely huge. That's what this thing was doing. Mm-hmm. And I, and I, I was freaked out. Like, I remember like, like bugging out, completely bugging out. Like, yo, like this is not safe. Cause I remember, I remember having the conscious thought that whatever happened with my girlfriend at the McDonald's thing, I was 110% convinced that it happened two weeks prior to what I was going through at this point at the near in a near death experience. Uh-huh. So I told, I called my mother over. I'm like, yo, I need to get out of here. I don't want to be here. I want to leave. Uh-huh. As soon as I said that over her shoulder, I see our, the front door and I'm starting to see like this bright light, you know, through the front door. Uh-huh. And she looks at me and she says, okay, Johnny, you can go, but I'll be very disappointed. Right. The old, you know, Italian Catholic uh, guilt right there. So I she walked away and I remember having the conscious thought like, oh, mom got me. (sighs) All right. Called her back over and I said to her, all right, mom, I'll stay. 
but you got to get me out of here because I am not being around that, that thing over there. She goes, what thing? And I told her about it. She looked at me like it was some stunat. Mm-hmm. And um, she was like, what are you talking about? And then there was this girl who was sitting. She was about five foot eight, long brown hair, about 125, 130 pounds. She interjected and she said, no, he's right. Something's up with that. Something's up with that camera. Something's wrong with that. She says, okay, I'm going to get Joyce. I can't move you right now, but what we need to do right now before we do anything, you're burning up. You're, you're, you're burning up and your blood pressure is through the roof. I'm going to go get you a cold washcloth. I said, okay, cool, fine. So she gets a cold washcloth, puts it on my head, and I can literally feel the water trickling down my cheek. I remember like wiping my face, flipping it over, putting it on the back of my neck, you know, you mm-hmm. know, making sure Ma's all good. So she finally, you know, her friend Joyce comes over, brings up a bag of water, puts it underneath the short circuit, the uh, that Rob thing, the best thing that I that 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 monitoring thing. Uh-huh. Now, um, it went from as it expanded, it started to contract. So I knew it was working. So I stopped fearing that. She moved me into that hall next to where that podium was. Okay. And as I'm sitting down, as I see again, I'm, I see the podium. You know, the guy behind the podium, the TV playing. I'm sitting next to another older another older gentleman to my right. And to my left, the blue walls and above the blue above the blue walls were these caricatures mm-hmm. of the guy who owned the hospital. And I asked him, I'm like, what's what what is this place? And he said it was well, it's I forget the guy's name. He says it's Mr. So and so. Mm-hmm. He was a black man who did a lot of great good for the community. The best thing that I can, the best way I can describe it, as he explained it to me, he had like a myth, like a Santa Claus. Like he did so much good for the community and so, especially for kids mm-hmm. that they wanted to live his legacy on, mm-hmm. which is why they were going from room to room on the TV, delivering these goods to the fake kids. That's the how I interpreted it. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, okay, cool. And these caricatures that were on, that were above, on top of the wall, they look like the Monopoly, the Monopoly dude, uh, you know, in the community chest and the chance cards. Mm-hmm. It were those type of caricatures, but of that guy doing like, you know, good, 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 good deeds for the community, mm-hmm. you know. And it was like, you know, it was in motion, if you will. It was like telling a story. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so I'm chopping it up with these two, whatever, whatever. And all of a sudden, I see a bright flash. And then I started waking up out of my coma, um, which I interpreted. I thought I saw my sister. I thought I saw, I thought I saw, um, you know, the doctor and nurses. But I, I, I think it was just like, you know, the paralytics and drugs and all this other stuff, you know, that was coming out. Now, understand this. At this point in the here and now, while I'm in the coma, the doctors are telling my parents, look, dude has your son has a 90 percent mortality rate. We have tried everything we have. He has three chest tubes in. He has a tracheotomy. He's on a ventilator. The best way that I can describe my condition was it emulated 110 percent what COVID patients go through today. And that's important. So I want your listeners to just to kind of like. Just to remember that. So they were preparing, literally preparing my family for my death. Okay. Um, I'm not going to get into how they knew that, but um, I just I can just tell you that, you know, we had access to doctor's notes and, you know, what 
people don't normally have. But um, anyway, so my mom, my mom is a, D, a director of nursing. She, she, you know, she was an RN. She knows her, she knows her stuff very, very well. Okay. So what happened was she's like, look, we have to try everything. So why don't we try vitamin C? So they gave me vitamin C. Two days later, I'm out of my coma. Uh-huh. Now, as I'm waking out of my coma, I started looking around my room. Now, they were telling my dad and my parents that even if I do wake up out of this coma, I'm going to be a complete brain. I'm going to be brain dead. I'm not going to be able or if I am, I'm going to be slow. It's going to be like I'm not going to be the same. Uh-huh. Be prepared for that. You know, my father was planning on moving me to a state facility in Georgia. Like he literally won father of the year. He visited me every single day for two months. It was crazy. Father of the year. Uh Um, But um, when I woke up out of the coma, I started to look around and I couldn't speak because I had a tracheotomy and I didn't have a speaking tube yet, but they were at, they were trying to have me, they were, you know, trying to look for vital signs. And my stepmother is a speech pathologist. So she was trying to be able to, you know, do her thing. Um, but I, they can see with, through my physical and through my physical cues that I was getting frustrated that they knew that I was with it. Uh-huh. So they were able to, uh, the doctor came in, asked me questions. Do you know where you are? Shook my head. Yes. Do you know what date it is? Do you know what time it is? And I started looking around the room because you know how like they have those signs, you know, today is, you know, May, whatever, whatever, whatever the day is. Uh-huh. Your nurse is this, blah, blah, blah. I was looking for that sign. Do you uh-huh. know who the president is? So who is the president? You know, so, answered all those questions as best as I could. Okay. Like you have to understand, like it was more or less like if you're trying to say the word, the letter P, like the sound of it. That's the best that I can get out, you know, because I didn't have a speaking tube at the time. I also noticed. Well, um, John, hold the thought. We're going to go into a commercial break, but we need to get into the near death experience. You know what you've seen and and all that stuff there, you know. Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. Hold that thought. And we're going to be right back after these messages. Hi, my name is Drusilla. I am the founder and owner of Drusilla's Closet. I've created a unique system to organize your pantry and kitchen. The system also works great in various parts of your home and garage. Also in my closet, I have unique furniture, art, and decor. You can find us on Facebook, Drusilla's Closet, or call at 435-224-9266. Hey, this is Brian with Better Accounting. Do you know how much money you will owe in taxes? Do you just blindly save money here and there and hope it is enough to cover your tax bill? There is a better way. Wouldn't it be nice if you could go into the tax season knowing exactly what your tax bill will be? Or better yet, wouldn't it be nice to make smaller payments throughout the year so you are not scrambling to pay your taxes? Better Accounting is the proactive solution to business taxes and accounting. Our team believes in regular communication with our clients. We meet with our clients multiple times throughout the year. 
Effective tax planning does not just happen during the tax season. If you are looking for a hands-on partner in your business, give Better Accounting a call. Call our office at 385-257-8866 or check out our website at betteraccounting.com. We work in all 50 states. Again, give us a call at 385-257-8866. We look forward to working with you. Hi there. I'm Nancy Pete, and I'm the author and illustrator of The Greater Understanding. The Greater Understanding is a book that's great for families, individuals, young and old alike. It's available, it's available on my website, my website at www.nanapete.com. Nana is N-A-N-N-A-Pete.com for $19.95. We also support Farm Rescue and their foundation, and we donate 25% of the proceeds to their foundation. Welcome back, John. How are you? I Let's get into the near-death experience. The um the hospital deal is whoa. That is some experience you're going through just being in the hospital. That's not even the half of it. Huh. This is where now here where it gets funky. Okay. Fast forward now. Understand like I've been 2017, 2018 into 2019. I was still processing. I couldn't talk about what I just talked about without choking up and crying like. Was just, I didn't understand it. Like I was seeing the trees, not the forest. Uh -huh. And then COVID hit, 2019, 2020. And I started to see reports and I started to listen about what they were going through. And it, it, it emulated exactly what I went through. Okay. Exactly, to the T, to the T. Okay. And I started having crazy dreams. I started having like lucid dreamings. And I started to recall, started, I started to recall certain things. The first thing I recalled was when I pulled into the McDonald's, Heaven or Hell was playing on the Raekwon CD. Okay. And then I flashed back into being up in my mother's work in New Jersey. And I remember sitting, looking at the door, looking at the door. And every single, for seven to eight days straight, I would get up and I would wake up immediately. And I would, it was as if the best way that I can describe it is if like you're watching a movie that you've never seen before and then someone turns it off at the end so you can't see the you know the ending it was that frustrating i was i was i was i was bugging out and i was not my it was it was affecting my work my productivity it was not living well so i decided i wanted answers so i decided to get a i was decided to do a regression session here's what i recalled in that regression session i recalled getting up walking out the door, opening up the door of my mother's work. As soon as I opened up the door, I was in this white construct like the matrix. Okay. And in front of me was an eight to nine foot tall blonde hair. He had locks. He looked like he belonged on the cover of Vogue completely jacked. I mean, dude was like built and it was with a quick glance. He had, he was wearing blue, like a blue suit, if you will, like a blue, blue attire. What looked like a Saturn symbol on his on the, his right chest, and have you ever, for any of your listeners out there, the best way that I can describe what I'm about to tell you is think about like you're preheating an oven for 500 degrees, 400 degrees. You open it up and you get hit with that heat. 
Yeah. That's okay. So as soon as I saw him, I got hit with in, like an intoxicating feeling of of love, acceptance, understanding, peace, unity. Like, like I, I can't explain it. And he tells me, I hear it in my head. It, and it, it's my own voice. I, I hear it, but it wasn't me thinking. Um, I hear you got to go back. You're, you got to go back. You have a lot of work to do. Uh-huh. And I remember, and I, and I told him, I, I just kind of shook my head. Like, you know, I, I, I told him non-verbally, no, I, I want to go home. And he kind of looked, he gave me this look as if a parent would give a young child or a coach would give to its players, like silly rabbit tricks are for kids, you know, like that type of thing. And he put out his right arm to my left shoulder, puts it down. And all of a sudden, boom, I'm out of my coma. Wow. So, yeah. So, um, the feeling will... that you had with your near death experience, um, I'm getting, this is what I'm picking up that it was like a mother loving you, you know, a hundred times fold, just, just giving you, that exception i think what it was I, all i know is in in my near-death experience there were the three most important women in my life mm-hmm. i think it was i i, I can't exp- I, I don't know i don't have the answers all i know is it had to ha- it had to happen because it led me up here to new jersey where i'm at right now mm-hmm. within okay. As soon as I meditated on it, because again, I couldn't, I couldn't talk about this without getting choked up. So I meditated on this for a few days and I knew this is what I needed to do. I posted in a near death experience group on Facebook mm-hmm. within, I don't know, a day or two. I had like, you know, I mean, it was getting a huge response and I got a bunch of messages to do, to share my story, asking if I, if I would be interested in sharing my story. And I knew this this is what I this is what I was supposed to do. Mm-hmm. And now I'm able to see the forest and not just see the trees. Like this has been my mission all along. You know, I've been chosen. I think anyone who has had any of your listeners who have had a near death experience, who have seen something or who anyone who has been in contact or anyone who just, I don't know how to explain this. I, I you know what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. I don't know, but I, I believe we all have been chosen to share our experiences, to share our story with the world, with the younger generation, to let them know that, you know, there is something out there that just that, you know, our, we only see in our field of vision, maybe 1% of the light spectrum. We can only hear, you know, a certain range of, you know, the sound. There's okay. so much more that is okay. going around us. John, You've just been- John, what about, I'm going to go back to the near death experience, what you've seen. Now, this person that you saw, did you recognize him or? No. Never seen. No, absolutely not. And I, how tall was he? Eight to nine feet. Ooh. He was taller. I'm six foot. So he was at least two, two, two. He was taller than me. And he looked like, dude, he was built. I mean, he was, he was, he was fit. He was in shape. He was, you know, muscular. He looked like he belonged on the cover of Vogue. Blonde hair, blue eyes, long blonde hair, probably down to his shoulders. Mm-hmm. That's how I would, I would look at it piercing blue eyes like like frank sinatra blue eyes and um it was just all i had no fear like people like i've had people ask me like i would be freaked out i wasn't freaked out 
did you, you see know? anything like what was his surroundings like? Was he standing? I was in a white. Eye? I was in a white construct. Like if when ne if anyone has ever seen the Matrix, when Morpheus brings Neo in to explain what the Matrix is, where he's sitting in that chair, he's looking around. It's completely white. That's what I was. I walked through the door, which I think is going crossing over. Okay. It was like a metaphor for crossing over. Uh -huh. You know, and when I was told, "Dude, you got to go back. You know, you're not ready yet. You've got more work to do." I think that's what that was. So I was, I think I left my spirit, my soul left and uh -huh. then it was returning. Mm -hmm. So cool. That is such a cool spirit. And what was he wearing? You said something about he was wearing, yeah. um, he was wearing, he was, we were wearing like a blue. Did you like recognize what you were wearing? What were you wearing? I wasn't paying attention to what I was wearing. I didn't care. Like all I was just, I've never, you have to, I've never seen, when I opened up that door, I was expecting to go outside. I was expecting to be in Bayonne. Mm -hmm. But when I opened up the door and I walked through, I was in a completely white construct. And as I, you know, I took a step or two and all of a sudden this big ass dude, I mean, this big dude just is just, he's just in front of me. And as soon as I looked up and I looked up at him, I was just hit with all this intoxicating feelings of love and peace and acceptance and, and understanding and and it's okay don't worry about it you're good don't worry and i i'm telling you it was so intoxicating i did not want to go back to the here and now like i was i was at peace like i'm good like i want like i'm ready to go for the next step you know well, let's, you said let's that go you wanted to stay did, I yeah think I, I did that. but i will stay. tell you this as i'm looking up and as soon as I looked up, I got a quick glance before you have to understand. I, I kind of like jerked back when I went, when I got hit with these feelings. So as I'm looking up, I kind of jerked back. And as I'm jerking back, I got a quick glance at his, at, you know, at his, you know, at his chest. Cause you have to understand I'm six foot the dude was like eight to nine feet. So I'm looking up at him, uh -huh. you know, so he, he's larger than life. But as I'm looking up at him, he's, he had like sat what looked like a Saturn symbol. That's the best that I can do it. I, I asked Elena Elena Denon about it and she sent me a picture and it looked exactly like the picture that she sent me, but the only difference is her in her picture it was yellow. In my memory, my recall, it was white. But then again, it was a quick glance and it was I don't know how to explain it. It was I was more focused on the what I was feeling. And when I when I heard when I heard my internal monologue say, you need to go back, you're not done yet. You know, I, I kind of got, you know, it was something I've never experienced before. So mm -hmm. you don't everything else you kind of you, you got to concentrate. I don't know how to explain it. It's you, I don't know how to explain it. It's if you've never if you've never experienced something before and you're going through something new, you kind of block out everything you have been used to all the other stimuli around you and you're focusing on this new stimulus this new stimulus um, john, in this case it's the feelings you, and the, the guy uh, john were you sitting down or was he sitting down or standing? we're both standing you were both standing and when you peered into the room was he sitting or standing when i <sighs> he, he it almost like it was very very fast it almost like at first I didn't see him like it, it was it was very, very quick. So 
it was very it was like instantaneous so like i walked through like ex- expecting like i'm going to be in bang uh-huh and as soon as i maybe like took like two steps before i was in this white construct i started looking around like what the hell is going on and then all of a sudden as i'm like looking around i see in front of me like he he it just he was just there he just it just he just appeared out of nowhere uh-huh and it was like it, it everything happened at simultaneously him appearing in front of me the feeling, me jerking back, me seeing him, what he looked like, you know, and all I was focused on was the communication, what he was telling me, me wanting to go and me wanting to me, me wanting to stay, you know, where I was. I didn't want to come back. I didn't want to be you know, wherever I wherever I would needed to return to wherever he was telling me I needed to go. I didn't want to do that. I wanted to stay where I was. Yeah. I was happy. I was at peace. I was I was good. All I know, I, he didn't and never identified who he was. He never told me his name, uh-huh. but what I believe was that's part of my soul group. Okay, and um, uh, that, and you were just meant to go back. So your journey is not over, and you're still here with us. And um, so you you went from Florida back to New Jersey, and is everything working out okay there? And I can, Kathy. Let me tell you this. Okay. I have never been happier. I have never been healthier. Um, I'm everything. Everything is coming to fruition. Every, all of my suffering, all of my lonely nights, all of my, all the tears that I've cried. No addictions, no feelings of addictions or anything. Nothing. It's like it's it's been lifted. It's, it's everything. The veil has been lifted. It's like, I see, I understand what my mission is now. Mm -hmm. Before I didn't, when I didn't understand it, you know, I, you know, I I was, I was, I just wanted to die. I wanted to hit reset. I wanted to go back and reincarnate, figure this, figure this stuff out again. A lot of people that I know who receive near death experience get very depressed because it's, from what I heard, it's horrible here, but it's better there. Yes, it's that's true. One hundred ten percent, it's true, and that's I went through the same thing too. Now and, you have to under. Un, but you, this you life is—you got to remember this life's just a quick journey, and you'll be back wherever you're meant to be at. But I—that is extraordinary. I have somebody who experienced the same thing with that same person that you had. So I will tell you after the show. But yeah, she experienced the exact same thing. When you're describing him, I'm like. Oh my gosh, I heard this same thing from somebody else. So whoever this is, is a really amazing person. But um, I'm so glad that you experienced this and I'm glad that you're doing well. I'm glad that you recovered from especially being in ICU and in a coma and your family. How's it going with your father? You still got that great relationship with your parents? I do. I do. He, you know, he literally, he was, you have to understand, he was at my hospital room every single day for two and a half months from seven in the morning till about three in the afternoon, every single day. He helped me get through my physical therapy, my occupational therapy in the hospital, you know, um, and I I sped up my recovery instead of actually going to those appointments. I just got myself a membership at the YMCA got in the pool mm-hmm. and I remembered all the exercises that I did in the hospital. I just did it in the pool with the water resistance. I was able to speed up my recovery and boom, boom. Don't get me wrong. 
my emotional state was completely messed up. I, I, I was still trying to process what was going on. Um, now, did you tell your parents about your experience, like one-on-one -on -one with them? Yeah, yeah, they all laughed at me. They all think it was in my head. Yeah, they don't understand. My friends, some understand. of my friends, some of my friends understand, some of my friends don't. Mm -hmm. But, um, you know, I, I'm okay with that. Mm -hmm. You know, I don't know who, I don't know if it's they, but there's going to be someone that I'm going to touch. Someone that is going to hear my story that will maybe pique their interest where they'll start investigating something. And maybe they'll talk to somebody maybe else who investigate. then put off that chain reaction to help wake up other people. I just here to do my part. John, maybe you will investigate. Because sometimes these experiences that we have, like you know, near death experience or out of body or whatever, sometimes they're, they're mainly to help you. You know, it's focusing on you. Yeah, you have a mission to get the message out, but it's also for you as well. You know? Well, you know what? I, I, I will say this. I'm not going to get into it, but I have done a deep dive into all of the, okay. you know, black projects, hidden, you know, hidden technologies, secret space programs and all this other stuff. So, okay. yeah, like I, I've now just finally have a command of the subject after studying it for so long. But mm -hmm. it, it I put in a lot of work, a lot of work to figure out, to have an understanding of what's going on. Mm -hmm. Well, I am so grateful, John, for you coming on the show and for giving us your experience. And uh, um, do you write a book? Are you planning on writing a book or anything? Or I was thinking just... about it, but I need to crawl before I walk, walk before I run, run before I fly. <laughs> okay. Sounds like you're on, you got a good voice, good public speaking voice. And I think you can do great in just telling your story. And, and I think it's also, too, to help those who get on addictions and get on, you know what I mean? They're trying to wiggle out. Like, how do I get out of this? So, you know, there's hope with that. I mean, you don't have to have a near-death experience to get off drugs. But, um, but, to, but to be able to, there's hope for those who are going through. We do recover. Yeah. We do recover. Yes. And, and I want to make this abundantly clear. They, at least in the United States, but mostly worldwide, it's not your fault. There, You know, I was over-medicated. I was prescribed medication from a licensed doctor. I got my prescriptions through insurance. Like I'm, you know, I worked in corporate for a very long time. So mm -hmm. it's not like I was just picking up dime bags from across the street. You know what I mean? Right. right. So, you know, it's not... Things can happen, and it's okay. People make mistakes, but we do recover. It's the work that you got to put in. You got to want it. Mm -hmm. Think it or know it. Think right. it or know it. Right, right. Well, I I'm thinking about doing another show starting next year in 2022, another podcast, and it's going to be on addiction. And I would love to have you come back and tell your story to help those get off addictions because I think you have another message to share besides just a near death. Absolutely. I'll be more than happy to say less. I got you. <laughs> okay, John, we will stay in touch and, and stay happy and the holidays are around the corner and you too. And everyone out there and all your listeners, thank you very much for putting up with my uh, animated self. So thank you very much. Thank I appreciate you. it. Thank you. For having me on your show. Okay. Thank you so much. 
And I want to thank all my listeners for just tuning in. And thank you, John, for coming on and telling us your near-death experience. And for all of you, have a great day. And